Good morning, everyone. You are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Abels and Hyman. We taste better. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Naomi Nachman. I'm about all the food, all the time. I love food. I love to shop for it, cook it, eat at restaurants, anything food-related. I'm a kosher personal chef. My business is called the Aussie Gourmet, and I cater for people for Shabbos, for Yontov, anytime you don't feel like cooking, give me a call. Um, I hope you'll tune in every week and hear about my exciting food adventures, and there are a lot of them, and my kosher food traveling and my sharing of uh, great ideas and recipes and amazing guests. But I want to hear about your experiences too, so you can feel free to email me, naomi at nachamsegel.com. You can join my Facebook page. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter. I don't know. Uh, what else am I leaving out? Um, yeah, Facebook, everything, I'm on it. Um, so, you know, if you had, ate at a great restaurant and have fabulous meal or made something fabulous, let me know and uh, we'll discuss it. just want to tell you a couple of food experiences that I had this within the last week or so. Um, I went to a recently renovated uh, restaurant in the five towns called The Coffee Bar. I hadn't been there in a while. And then I had gone in with some friends for lunch and I saw that they had redone it and redone the menu. And it was actually really nice. I liked it before, but now I liked it even better. I had fish tacos, absolutely obsessed with fish tacos, and it was absolutely delicious. I just want to give them a shout-out. If you are in the five towns or you're making a trip over there, check out the coffee bar and eat the fish tacos. Um, they also have really big salads and, and um, paninis and all kinds of delicious coffees. So, And their they're, um, Starbucks and the milk are all Chalvisrol, so you know it's really nice to have. Starbucks coffee with Chavisra milk. If that's what you need, they got it. Um, okay, uh, CKCA in Brooklyn, um, the Kosher Center for Kosher Culinary Center for Culinary Kosher. What am I missing there, Avi? Kosher Culinary Arts. There you go. Avi is a graduate, but we'll talk about Avi in a minute. <laughs> and CKCA, they're actually having a men's class coming up, so you can uh, go to ckca.com and sign up. And they are actually doing a giveaway for our listeners. So um, of a recreational cooking class. So I just want to thank Jesse and Alette for uh, doing this for us. Um, if you want to win a free recreational cooking class from CKCA, all you have to do is two things this time. Usually it's just emailing me, but this time you have to email me, Naomi, at nachamsegel.com, and you have to either join their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook page, or their newsletter. If you're not on uh, social media, you can at least join their newsletter. Um, so you can, uh, I'm going to pick a winner and make sure that you're on one of those platforms and then you will win a free recreational cooking class. So that was, re- I think that's a really exciting uh, giveaway. We've usually only done cookbooks. So uh, now we're very excited to uh, have a cooking class. We have an action packed show. I'm going to be walking away from this class so hungry. I have in the studio, remember last week I mentioned last week's show was the Women's Gab Fest about food. This week is the Men's Gab Fest about food. I have restaurant owner Avi Roth from Gotham Burger. And then I have kitchen surfing chef, right? I could say kitchen surfing chef Eric Boyard. And I have the kitchen surfing kosher coordinator. It was, right? Or also Hasid and Hipster. He's also known as Hasid and Hipster, Yudish Lass. But, you know, you want to give us your proper title, what you're doing for kitchen surfing? Yeah, I guess I could say I'm the you're head the of the kosher department uh, for right. kitchen surfing. They're, co- they're coordinating of the kosher. Yeah, things. between the chefs, so customers, no, pretty much right on. You are everywhere. I never heard of kitchen surfing till I was invited back in July, and I've spoken about it a million times on the show because I've become obsessed with you guys. Um, but I finally was able to... I can't tell you how lucky I am to have these three guys in at once uh, for our, our men's show today. Um, so we're going to just start off a little bit with Avi, and then we're going to switch over to you guys. And you're going to hear, ladies and, and listeners and gentlemen, whoever's listening, uh, this is going to be one really exciting show today because, you know, I got a, Avi and I met a couple months ago when Nachum Siegel Network had an event at Gothenburger, and I got to try the delights of your restaurant. Thank you. And it was so much fun. But then I got invited back by Alain Kornblum and Melinda Strauss. Uh, Alain runs the Great Kosher Restaurant magazine. Uh, and by the way, we're in the last week of the scavenger hunt. Uh, so uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, and we came up to the restaurant and I'm like, he get, and I, I spoke about, people know that I spoke about the chicken and waffles. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely obsessed. <laughs> I'm so glad that we, we could 
help you in your obsession with, with chicken and waffles. With chicken and waffles. It's yeah. so funny because, you know, I know it's a very southern food, so yeah. it was it was very cool. So before we get to the actual restaurant, let's hear a little bit about you. Okay. What's your background? I know it did not start off in the kitchen. It did not start off in the kitchen. Um, I did a doctor. I did doctoral work at Columbia University, a university in developmental psychology. So you're Doctor Avi Roth. Yeah, let's I give worked. him the proper title. Do we have that down? <laughs> I I don't go by doctor, and um, I worked with kids with different learning disabilities, and um, I always loved cooking. And when the economy changed, um, and this kosher culinary school opened up it just seemed like a great time to see what it was all about and kind of hone skills and it was just a wonderful wonderful experience there jesse and the chefs there are just amazing and um i was doing some consulting work and i sold my portion of my learning centers to my partner and i started um just working in different restaurants to see what it was like and then i was approached by a couple people to open up a quality comfort food type of restaurant and we settled on Gotham Burger and Why Gotham? What, what Gotham, I think of Batman. Right. So, you know, it's funny because people come to me all the time and say, was it a Batman reference or was it Got Hamburger? Because uh, Gotham ah. Burger is Got Hamburger and it's 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 nice that it was both things, but the truth is Gotham as used in the DC comics is just for synonymous with big city with new york okay. and our first our first thought was to put it into new york and finding a location proved challenging um in the in the inception and we stumbled upon a great uh space in new jersey ah. and the idea was that if we're going to be successful we would have gotham burgers throughout you know uh hopefully tri-state area <laughs> there you go and beyond and Gotham Burger is just synonymous with Big City Burger. I mean, so that was kind of the idea behind it. Actually, a chef friend of mine who um, runs Nobo in New Jersey. New Jersey, yep. Yeah, been there. Josh, Josh Masson actually was the one who kind of came up with the name. We were kicking around different names, and he was like, what about Gotham? And I'm like, I'm sure it's taken, and it wasn't. So we That's were lucky to have it. I know. so out there. Yeah, we were excited about getting the name. Okay, well, it's it's great. So I've not been to the Tinic one, but right. what's your most popular burger? So right now we're we just rolled out um, a different blend in the meat, and we've been doing a brisket burger, which Ooh. is heavy with brisket, and it has it's been chopped, really it's really brisket? it's yeah, it's finely chopped brisket. It has some of the other elements that we had in our original burger, but it's um, very heavy with brisket meat in it, and and we found that people really really love it. They just absolutely, I mean, they love they they loved the burger, and this one just is on a different elevation. So that's been a very popular burger. Um, another bur- <laughs> we've tried we've tried to um, kind of branch out and do things at Gotham that really haven't been done in the kosher uh, well, like, circles. Like like what? So what we what we just did this past week, and it has been exceptionally well received. Okay, is a quesadilla burger. A quesadilla burger. Yeah, uh, inspired by the apple. I think Applebee's. quesadilla is cheese. Right. Right. So we have a par of cheese that we've been using that has been exceptionally good. Have you, you used any par of well. cheeses? I'm, I haven't used par of cheeses, but I've made cashew cheese to go along with some sandwiches, um, but. I've seen some pretty good brands out there that work well. There, I wow. mean, it, it was challenging finding a brand, but there's a new brand that's on the market that has been exceptionally good, and Jewish stores are starting to carry it what now. What is that? Daya. Oh, D-A-I-Y-A, I believe it's okay, spelled. Well, I wonder if Gomek And they have about six or seven different types. They have um, brick cheese, they have slices, and they have shredded. I believe they have mozzarella and cheddar, which we use. They have a, a, a pepper jack cheese. Which we a use on our, on our be- we, we use on our beef nachos, which you had the fortune of trying. Oh, no way! That yes. was that. Oh, yes. nice. So okay, yeah. We, can we just talk about that? Sure. That I've even seen a blue cheese, a par of blue cheese yes. out there. What? Yes. Yeah. I haven't loved that, but <laughs> what injecting, injecting the mold into it. Well, you have to kind of love blue cheese to right. begin with, and I, then I, I love I love blue cheese. The par of one for me didn't have the consistency and, and taste that I loved. Um, I also tried it with the wings. 
you know, because you're going with a blue cheese with a hot wing, and I wanted to, I wanted it to, I wanted to love it. And I just want, I didn't love it. Uh, I didn't love it. Um, and we went with a ranch dressing instead with the, with the thing. But, but, um, they're I'm constantly, so they're constantly improving on a lot of these things, especially the vegan, you know, there's a huge push, uh, for vegan options and they're doing a lot of great work in terms of making it acceptable and therefore helping to branch out and it just helps the kosher market that much more. Oh, yum, yum, yum. Now, when I was there with Alana and Melinda, we had this, what was it called? The, the beef nachos. The beef nachos. It was amazing. It was huge. And you can go onto my Instagram page and have a look at this gigantic platter that you put out for us. It was fabulous. What was Thank in that? You. What was so all we, the different layers? We make layers? a homemade tortilla, and then we put our signature chili on that, and then we melt pepper jack cheese, uh, the par of cheese, par. obviously, uh, on top of that. Then we layer it with guacamole. And then we do a homemade pico de gallo sauce, and then we put a little tafuti sour cream on top. And that's really, that's, I mean, that's the breakdown of that. That was nacho absolutely dish. fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I We're wish I could sit here in it. the studio eating it, but it's probably one of the messiest <laughs> dishes. Yeah, just slip down and eat down here. That, yeah, it, it does not carry well. We've been wrapping each individual segment separately. And people take can out. pour it together themselves. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Okay, very nice. Okay, now what is the key for a good burger? Like, you know, you're a home cook, you know, burgers are your thing, you know. So, first of all, again, we live in a pretty great time where you can go into a lot of the higher-end supermarkets, like a Gourmet Glot, and ask for um, the butcher to blend a couple of meats for you together. Okay, yeah. And they'll do that for you. And I think that... Getting a fresh uh, ground uh, meat is the first start to make. What do you mean great fresh meat. ground meat? Not something sitting in the showcase. Correct. What, correct. Why does that make a difference? Because first of all, you're putting in the blend that you want into that meat. Okay. And what's really important, and I know this is going to come off uh, upsetting to some, is the fat content. You want a little. You fat. do. I know that. I know that a lot of a lot of butcher shops and a lot of supermarkets are pushing the leaner meats. Lean tend to burn faster and don't add as much flavor. You want something that's full of flavor. And the truth is that when through the cooking process, a lot of that fat is going to get taken out of the meat. So you want a nice, you know, usually people have an 80-20 blend, and now I've seen in a lot of supermarkets a 90-10 blend. We try to do something a little fattier, you know, 70-30. So you can go to your butcher and say, I want 70-30 exactly. of what should... And your butcher would love to do that because fat is much less expensive. Right. So what, what cut meats do we ask our butcher so, for? So ground chuck, chuck eye, ground chuck. I think um, Schiffer Klein taught us that once on Joy of Kosher. That's pretty much that's pretty much the standard burger meat. Um, I In our blends, we use a certain amount of brisket and even some short rib meat. Now, when you blend those together, you're going to get a completely different taste. Very the heavy freshest, meat flavor, yeah, right? And the freshest ingredients. I mean, if you're buying that meat for that day, it, you're going to taste the difference. If you season it with a little salt and pepper, that's all you need. Because truthfully, the meat is going to speak for itself. The freshness of the meat is what you want to taste in that burger. The sauce that you add to it, the accoutrements, whether the tomato and the lettuce. Accoutrements. The That's yeah. such a fancy word for. Mm, my doctor coming in. The, <laughs> ad, the add-ons. The add-ons, the right. accoutrements, the add-ons, the you know, condiments right. maybe. <laughs> so, there, so those things are going to be, um, you want to get the freshest possible ingredients. But I'm a firm believer as uh, a purist in terms of burger, you don't want to add. You don't want to, you know, my, my, uh, my, Father had a great burger recipe and he had barbecue sauce and he had uh, breadcrumbs and eggs and different things. And to me, that's a meatloaf. Uh, I, I love him. Meatloaf but that's on the a grill. Meatloaf yeah. burger. Okay, I totally see that. So yeah. I want the burger itself to be the, to stand the showcase. Out. The okay, showpiece. now talk, let's talk about sauces. What did you call it? Accoutrement. The accoutrement. Accoutrement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing. It's a great word. I'm going to try to keep that in my rotation there. Perfect. Um, I like a little sauce. I'm all about the sauce. Okay. Right? So what would be it? I don't think you're alone in that. I think most people find that the sauce drives, in fact, 
McDonald's success was on its special sauce. Right. I uh, mean, a burger was a burger, but once they added that special sauce, everybody was coming back to the sauce. everything together. I like a sauce with everything, I mean, without drowning it. I will tell you, we're Gotham Burger, and, and definitely our number one seller is a burger, but our number two seller are our chicken fingers, and primarily because people want to dip into different sauces. sauces we do and about have- 10 different specialty sauces that we make in-house, and people just, they come in and they're like, um, and it's funny because we talk to the waiters about trying to limit because each one, and they're like, I'll have all the sauces. I'll have all the sauces. Bring them all. Bring them all to me. We'll just try them all. So it it becomes, it becomes a challenge in that way, but I'm happy that people are loving the sauces that we're doing. What's the most popular one? So we have the garlic mayo is certainly the most popular and the blazing chipotle is like a close second. It's very hot? Um, no. Blazing and chipotle just sound. You think that it's going to be hot? We have two very, we have two very hot ones, a mango habanero and a lemon pepper. And those are because of the habanero pepper that we use, um, in the lemon pepper and the mango, um, habanero that we use in the mango habanero. Um, those two are very spicy. The blazing chipotle is a little milder. You get a little tang from the chipotle, but it's, it's very mild. So it's not too, I find that Jewish palates tend to, Rotate towards the sweeter side. Sweet. We do have people who like hot, hot, but even our wings, our signature, like Gotham wings, are sweeter. They have a sweeter finish. And the more popular sauces are the raspberry chipotle or the cranberry barbecue, which both tend to be sweeter. And these are all creations from your head? Uh, yeah, in consultation with, with some yeah. of the chefs that we worked with. I mean, I loved certain things that I did, and I played around for two, three years just taking different recipes and someone would come along and do something different and it would be better. And I'd be like, okay, Great. I'm not crazy. This is better than what I thought of. Right. So we went right. that way. The chicken and waffles is not chicken. my, it's not my uh, idea. It's a Southern thing. It's, you know, from, from the deep South and, and it's a very popular among African-Americans. How did you get that chicken, that fried chicken to be so moist? Cause it can either be raw or overcooked. Right. So that there's something to the batter, to how you batter it. But also, it's really kind of we we're very fortunate. We have um, a special pressure fryer. A that pressure does it. fryer. Yes. So um, Colonel Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> fame Kentucky came Fried up Chicken with a way to to really get like kind of speed up the cooking process. And pressure cookers were all the rage. And right. he said, why can't we do it with a fryer? And he came up with a mechanism that was a pressure fryer. And we have one in New Jersey and one in New York. Um, and it really does, really does limit the time that it's in there. It works on a lower heat, um, lower oil so that you're not burning at such a hot rate and it cooks it much juicier, much right, more. It's much juicier without the whole greasy, you know, right. So I know that's all about getting the oil temperature just so correct. Correct. And, and again, and, and also making sure the oil is very clean and, you know, and really kind of. The breading and stuff like that, you really have to kind of sift through it because I, I, for those of you who have a tabletop fryer at home, and I do. I do not. Um, I use my pot with an instant, <laughs> with it, with an oil thermometer. Much to my wife's chagrin. Um, the tabletop so fryer okay. can, you get, can get one. Can get very messy at the bottom because of all the bits of the, the, the breadcrumbs and the different things that you drop in there. So, so really keeping that clean and, you know, it'll give it a, you know, it'll give it a different taste. Okay, that's great. I think everybody must make a reservation as soon as possible. I was like davening on Yonta thinking about chicken and waffles because <laughs> <laughs> we came right after Rosh Hashanah. It was crazy. I was like, really, I'm, I'm really obsessed with that, so I'm going to have to stop by soon. I actually tried to come on Sukkot, but the Sukkot was down. Yeah, the Sukkot yeah. was down. So much, that, much to our chagrin. Yeah. The Department of Buildings had other Right, and the one in Manhattan. Um, so you have two locations, one on the Upper West Side, and there's plenty right. of street parking. I've never had uh, trouble finding parking yeah, there. Yeah, and that, that area really does allow for a lot of open spaces. For, yeah, lots yeah. of metered parking. Just remember to check your meter. Check your, uh, set your iPhone timers for, you know, an hour. <laughs> so right. you remember to go back. Cause sometimes they're one hour, sometimes they're two hour yeah. spots. Um, and there's also one in Teaneck and we can find you. How do we find you on Facebook and Instagram? Gothamburgers.com is the website and, um, you can join our Facebook pages. We constantly pr- promote and update different um, exciting things that we're doing in New Jersey. We just got two pit barrel smokers, and we've been smoking racks of ribs and pulled brisket sandwiches 
and uh, it's right up your alley, we're, guys. We're right now doing tur- we're going to be doing for November turkey legs, and um, just uh, we've done deep fried turkeys in our <gasps> pressure fryer. Oh, we want to do and, that. Um, we actually just uh, my partner in New Jersey just came up with a um, a corn muffin, which is outstanding. So we're so really we can excited. actually get our Thanksgiving dinner from you. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Or from you. Yeah. <laughs> but you're traveling, I think. I am. I'm going to be away, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm also. I, I wouldn't deep fry a whole a whole turkey in your little pot on the stove. <laughs> no top. way. So, I'm going to get a special <laughs> deep fry up. Yeah, that could get messy. Yeah. Um, okay, so you know you know how to find Avi and his amazing um, restaurants and fabulous food. I look forward to more restaurants. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on your my, show. My pleasure. Any any final thoughts that you want to share? Uh, how about you do the What's for Dinner segment? So our What's for Dinner segment is going to is sponsored by our friends at Gourmet Glat. And you know what I say? What's for dinner, Mum? Reservations. Reservations at Gotham. But really, we like to give out a recipe. So Avi said that he would uh, share a recipe. Sure. Um, this is a pretty simple recipe, and it's a little bit of a divergent from our – I mean, we do a lot of catering, so we get a chance to kind of flex our culinary muscle. Um, we're actually doing a bar mitzvah in Brooklyn tomorrow, oh, nice. and this is on the menu. And okay. this is a really simple, really interesting recipe. Grab where, pen and paper. Stop what you're doing. Grab some and, pen and, and paper. We do this a lot for Friday night for like an appetizer. Okay. So it's uh, mustard mashed potatoes. Okay. With garlic, spinach, and then a piece of honey mustard salmon on top. Okay. Okay, this is a really, really simple recipe. Okay, let's start with the potatoes. You peel a cup, four or five Yukon potatoes, okay, boil them, mash them down with about two or three pats of margarine, maybe a quarter cup of soy milk, salt and pepper, and then you're going to add a coarse mustard. You know that grainy mustard? Yes, grainy mustard. mustard. Very popular yes. in Australia. I know so Gourmet Glatt sells it. You can you can use – there are a couple of great brands, and you can just add that in. You will not get a heavy mustard taste, but those seeds look beautiful. They just look beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they're fabulous. Okay? You're going to put that on the bottom of the plate. Then you're going to take spinach. You can buy bags of spinach, yeah. even pre-washed. and Pre-checked, yeah. Correct. You're going to put that into a – Hot, hot frying pan with a little bit of oil. What I like to do with my oil, if I get a chance, is take a garlic clove, cut it, wrap it in some silver foil, add a little bit of salt and a little bit of oil, and then take the top part that I cut off and put it in the bottom of the aluminum pan and add some oil. Once that oil cools down, you drain that oil off, and you've got flavored garlic oil. Oh, yum. And you don't have to pay ten ninety nine or twelve ninety nine <laughs> for garlic oil. I put a little of that garlic oil into the pan with a couple of uh, cuts of garlic. If you want, you can use minced garlic, and then you put the spinach in. The spinach will wilt almost immediately. You take all of that out, and that's going to be your second layer. So just over the mashed potatoes, you're going to put that garlic spinach down. Okay. The salmon, it's really all about freshness. Mm. I have a great, great fish store in Teaneck, but I'm sure Gourmet Glad has yeah, great, Yeah, Aussie's Fish great. is fabulous or in your neighborhood. Um, Correct. You get to know your fishmonger. You want to ask him for the freshest. Fresh piece of salmon. I just you know, came from Alaska. Fresh salmon. Go. Woohoo! Right. So you're going to take that piece of salmon. You're going to put it in an aluminum pan, an 8 by 11 aluminum pan, little salt and pepper on both sides. If you can get, and this is a key, a fresh piece of thyme, a fresh piece of oregano, rosemary, any kind of fresh herb, but really fresh, not out of your... Package. Right. You're going to put that in there, a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of lemon juice, and a little white wine, because who doesn't love a little white oh. wine? And you're going to just put that, cover it with a foil, and bake that for about 30 minutes on 350. Now, you're going to take that out. And you're going to have a lovely piece of salmon. You're going to put that right on top of that spinach. And then you take a little more white wine, a little more oil, and a little honey and mustard and mix that up and just pour it over the top. The colors are beautiful. And, you know, you have the white with a little yellow flecks or black flecks from the mustard standing out. 
you have that green from the spinach. You have that salmon on top, which is pink, and then oh, you have this if, I wish, yellow drizzle. Do we have a picture? Can you send us me a picture? I will absolutely. You're going to send, send me a, a picture, picture, and I'm going to post that on my Instagram page so people can see it because that's fabulous. And if they want the recipe, um, we will post it on our Facebook. You'll page. You'll post that on, on your Facebook. Go to Gothenburger, like their page, and in the next. We won't give you too much pressure. You'll put that up in the next week or two. And Perfect. Thank you so much. That You're was great. So that welcome. was our, our fabulous what's for dinner segment. Fantastic. <laughs> and it shouldn't take more than really the cooking of the cooking of the fish. You can get the potatoes boiling and the, the You can multitask this one Absolutely. all at once. Absolutely. I love it. Women are fabulous at multitasking. <laughs> me, I have to do everything separate. <laughs> there you go. Avi, thank you so much You're for so joining welcome. me today. You're so welcome. Um, can I just get you and Avi to switch seats so we can have you to up front? The tr- most traveled man I know right now. <laughs> Okay, and Eric's about to do lots of traveling. Okay, so I have in the hot seat. I know it's little. I don't know why they made no. it so short. You know, this seat is very low down. Can can? Is <laughs> oh, I kind of like it this way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We we'll see eye to eye now. Closer to the earth. Okay. Oh, yeah. there you go. Spoke like a true chef. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, yeah, pretty good. I, yeah, I do travel a lot, um, and uh, but happy to be in New York uh, for this week to catch you and do the show. Yeah, that worked out really well. Like Eric and I were uh, talking over the uh, texting, and we're like, I've got to get you on the show. Yeah, I was really happy that you was able to join because the- we've like been together since the get go of uh, kosher kitchen surfing. Kind of recruited me, and we. Fostered this relationship, and it's like now we're kind of attached to the hip, but he's overseas all the time. I know, lucky guy, but it might be a bit annoying sometimes. <laughs> yeah, some days when you're on the plane, it's annoying, but once you get to your destination and get to uh, do what you love, do what you love, meet back with all the friends, and get to taste all the new food additions in that city, and uh, bring it back to where you're going or bring it forward. Uh, that's always fun, and. Really, the, Eric is like the perfect example of uh, why I got so excited about doing kosher for kitchen surfing. Um, you know, at first I was thinking, okay, so, all right, it's an online platform. There's a lot of chefs. Yeah, talk and, about you know, what actual, cause for people who haven't heard my spiel before or um, my gushing, my gu- I don't know if this is the right word, gushing, me gushing about kitchen surfing and the dinner. What is kitchensurfing.com? Well, kitchensurfing.com, uh, in a few simple lines, is an uh, online platform where talented chefs have their own profiles and customers could connect and book any chef they like of any type of cuisine for any type of event they are looking for. So, you know, if you just want to make a surprise your wife for dinner or uh, do a little party or a shavabrachis or a Friday night meal, uh, there's a full array of chefs and all you need to do is just go on there pick a cuisine there's a full array of chefs that are trained in kosher uh and uh anything you want is available through there uh it's it's great because the kosher food world the palate has expanded and although oh, tremendously tremendously thanks to you avi and all that yeah, thanks to avi and a few other uh great uh kosher improvements out there um but i think that still for uh, many kosher consumers, uh, there's still limited access to uh, trying new kinds of foods. And the best way to do that is really if you have access to all these chefs that work in many great restaurants. So Eric, for example, uh, comes from 11 Madison Park and a few other restaurants. Which is a very famous... Very famous Michelin star-rated uh, just non-kosher restaurant. So I say what Michelin star is. I know, but I don't know. Eric could give about, a and, background on 11 Madison Park and the uh, Michelin well, I mean, system. I left there at the end of this past year. I, I was there two and a half years, and then um, they're rated three out of three Michelin stars. There's only what, five what, cities in the... What's a Michelin? What, what does that mean, Michelin star? Because we have maybe guests who aren't uh, familiar just, with it. It's, it's a global restaurant rating system. There's um, essentially judges in, in different cities. It's started as like a... A guide for travel, people on the road, um, and then eventually turned into a, you know, renowned restaurant guide, kind of setting the bar for the best of the best in different cities around the world. And yes, Eleven Madison happens to be. And you were one of the chefs. Uh, yes. <laughs> so that's what made that's we we know because I've eaten your food. That's what made them three stars having you there. Oh, I can't um, take full credit. But. <laughs> okay, and your team. I'll take and some. Your team I'll take some. Team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, you turned my house into a Michelin star restaurant, so I was yeah. very happy about that. Um, For two days. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll come a little bit about back to that in a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, so the, so the idea that you could actually have what I would consider is the backbone of every successful restaurant is the chefs like Eric. They really are toiling away in the kitchen, not just the, the name, the executive chef name that people know, but have that chef come to your house and prepare a meal according to the things you like. And maybe if you're adventurous, uh, you let the chef really you know, do their thing. Um, I think it's particularly exciting in general, but to have that in kosher is like really unheard of. Uh, so, you know, when I first did, when I did the first, uh, supper club, uh, with Eric and, uh, actually another chef, a uh, collaboration with another chef from Kitchen Surfing. Is that when I came to your house? That was, July uh, 1st? Yeah, July okay. 1st. Um, and if you remember, it was, uh, quite an event of having all these different style foods. Uh, Eric has his own unique style. He loves using seasonal stuff that he sources locally. Um, and we spoke about that last week on our show. We spoke about lo- using local farmers and yeah, exactly. I mean, using local is is something that's amazing because you know the quality of the food is just going to be that much that better. Much better. Yeah. Um, and anyone's been to Israel, you know that when anytime you eat in restaurants over there, uh, everything really is local over there. You know, it's coming from the farm that's like you know a couple hours away. Yeah, you travel the whole country. the whole country. It's the standard. It's the standard. It, I don't. I don't now, think you get. It's, you know, there's been the locavore movement, quote unquote, over the last say five, six, seven years, but. Uh, it's become more more standard now here as well. Nonetheless, it, it, we need to keep driving that forward. It shouldn't be thought of as such a separate entity of locavore versus not. It just should be the norm. Yeah, right. it should be the standard. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. Sometimes people think about it that it's not as accessible, but, you know, because sometimes going to your local supermarket is, you know, just easy. It's down the block. Uh, but... You'll end up getting a much better uh, food, both quality and health-wise. We were actually talking about doing a trip. Um, some of our listeners joining us in the spring and going to some farmers markets, either out in Connecticut mm-hmm. or um, joining us in Manhattan at Union Square, because I think that would be cool to just have an education. Because yeah. I don't think we know enough. Once about you're it. there and you see everything in front of you, especially in like the peak peak of the season, I mean, it's hard to. Go you know, back. think differently about it after that. It's just like inspiring when you see all of these vendors from all over the state, tri-state area, and they're just like shoving the most phenomenal produce in front of you. Yeah. You know, and it's you go in circles. Like, right. Where do I start? But <laughs> it's in great. a candy store. Yeah. Yeah, I think the inspiration with that also is great because I think conventional thinking uh, for most people is when they're thinking about what to make for dinner or, you know, what to do a recipe, they're thinking about the the main part of the dish and they're thinking about protein and thinking about, okay, I want to make chicken, what could go with it? Where when you really think about you go to somewhere like Union Square Market and you see a lemon cucumber, now you're thinking, what? what could I do with that? And that's, I think, one of the ingredients Eric picked up yeah. the day we did the dinner at your home. Lemon cucumber. I don't even know what that is. Looks like a lemon. <laughs> Looks like a lemon. It's a little, little, little brighter in flavor than your standard, you know, lemon? English cucumber in a plastic. But what, you know, what did you put it in? What was uh, it? Do you remember? Yeah. You have your notes there. <laughs> I remember it. Everything. Uh, it was shaved raw um, and charred in the spring pea velouté that we did <gasps> right. as a garnish yeah. in the soup. You can go onto my Facebook page and see, uh, Instagram page and see that. Yeah, Judah took a cool picture of that one. That yeah. was that was cool, and I like the whole video thing. Yeah, the time lapse was uh, also a good way of capturing uh, what goes into, um, you know, putting a meal like that together um, and try to compress it in 60 seconds er- or less. Eric showed up at my house. The dinner was Wednesday night. Eric showed up at my house on Tuesday morning with a truckload of Yeah, there's stuff. like four boxes four from boxes Gourmet Glot. Gourmet Glot. He did all the shopping at Gourmet Glot and, it was, and, and also at the uh, farmer's market out here in Union Square. Yes. I'm saying out here because I'm in Manhattan at the studio. Um, but it was it was two days of solid cooking for the most incredible meal of a lifetime. Um Lots of, you know, people, um, you know, once uh, you had put it out through the kitchen surfing email, I like, uh, you know, I shared it on Facebook and people paid to come to this dinner. It was like seven courses and it was plus three or four appetizers and we did some wine. We had a wine tasting with Jay Booksbaum 
and it was like one of the most incredible, memorable meals. My mother always talks about having memorable meals. The meals should not just be, you know, in and out dining. See, memorable meal that I had at your restaurant after the chicken and the waffles. I know it's on a different spectrum from from some of the stuff that we ate, but you know, just just got to be fabulous and that was you know yours was fabulous and yours was fabulous i love chicken and waffles as much as anyone oh, <laughs> now you should join us <laughs> you're tired of seeing this uh, intricate stuff sometimes you know yes so you know you spent two days preparing and ch- everything was cut perfect in unison tiny squares or fine like it was unreal and yeah you had the smoking gun outside in your backyard infusing the tomatoes just to have that little vinaigrette that goes together with the dish it's uh it's all about that all the elements that go into every dish outside in the backyard and i was smoking yellow tomatoes from the green market and naomi comes running out with her camera videoing yeah you can see that on instagram my instagram page it has a video of eric smoking tomatoes in my backyard zima tomatoes i've not seen them around so much i don't think they're in season right now no but that was it was a a beautiful roast um what kind of meat was that it was a ribeye a ribeye um with a yellow zima tomato sauce right on top and summer beans from the green market uh, sherry vinegar yeah it was that was that was unreal. See, I'd like that recipe. <laughs> we need I'll some of the recipes. I'm going to have to write that down afterwards. But um, let's just talk a little bit about Hasid and Hipster because I, I I think you're a little bit synonymous with that. Also, I don't yeah, know if you're true. so involved. And that's how I first heard about you. Actually, was from you know well, probably um, Shlomo Klein. Probably yeah, liked uh, you on Facebook. Joy of Kosher, yeah. Joy of Kosher, and then um, I probably liked liked the page. I saw that you do these gourmet sandwiches. Yeah, I think it, to me it, it kind of came about in a uh, hobby kind of way. Um, I was always thinking about you know kosher food and reading about all the different trends uh, in Brooklyn where it's kind of like the Silicon Valley of food where things are constantly happening and innovative things. So um, and I live in Crown Heights uh, part of the time, and <laughs> Crown Heights is you know a good combo of. The Hasids and the hipsters all kind of that, moving in and, that's him. <laughs> you know, not quite mingling, but just kind of, you know, coexisting, coexisting. And maybe sometimes you could find some in Basil and sometimes, you know, in other places. And Basil you know, the restaurant, not ba- there's a restaurant called Basil, right? Basil the restaurant it's and uh, spice, the herb. Yeah, that's true. It is. Uh, and I, I thought I thought. You know, in, in food as well, you know, you think about food and you know that there's the old style traditional food, you know, maybe like brisket and that kind of thing. And then there's the new style, which would be like more of the hip stuff. So if I could, you know, I was thinking about how to create new things that both use traditional Jewish foods and maybe some, you know, new innovative techniques like using sous vide or the smoking gun or anything like that. Can you just say what uh, sous vide is? Uh, sous vide is just an immersion circulator in French. Uh, and it's just a way of, uh, cooking your anything, re- anything really in a precise temperature. So you end up with the most perfect, uh, cooked, whether it's meat or fish, texture wise, flavor wise, or vegetables. It's really, uh, an amazing piece. And I mark my words within the next decade, I think everyone's going to have one in their home. It's just so it's it's kind of like you're cooking something in a water bath. Yeah, I like to um, call it a jacuzzi for <laughs> food. Uh, just think about it like yourself. If you're, how much do you love just sitting in that tub? <laughs> and food loves it too, as long as you it's not too hot and not too cold. And I think every ingredient wants to be treated uh, in its best way. And the only real way to do that is if you're immersing it in something that could control, uh, the precise temperature. So when you put something in an oven, really, first of all, every oven acts differently yeah. and the temperature circulates differently and the top of the meat is going to get more and the middle is going to get different. So, um, if you do it in this form, you end up really with the most perfect, uh, cooked food. And, uh, and then you could always finish it off and sear it or, you know, if you want that extra color or extra texture, um, th- that's easy enough. And uh, so to me, you know, using techniques like that, uh, you know, with, with equipment like that uh, and come bringing it together. Have so, you done a chalent sous vide? Yeah, I have. I have done a sous vide uh, chalent. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> And, you know, people think about chalam as a, a stew that's been kind of, you know, cooking overnight and, you know, everything's very kind of heavy. 
and to when I when I did it, I kind of you know broke down all the ingredients, and I just you know I took the barley and and cooked it separately, and it was just perfectly tender and not just kind of mushing in the chon. So I think someone that's used to eating chon and wants the traditional thing, I think that's great too. I love it too, but. If you could do it uh, in a new way and have imagine a chalent where you have a medium rare but falling apart short rib uh, on top of you know perfectly tendered uh, flour grain and the potatoes and, and the sauce in there and the same flavors and spices that you would put in there but it just the textures are different and it, the flavors are there uh, it's just something for me it's fun to do so. It sounds so complicated, <laughs> but probably not, right? I mean, yeah. when, when you put it in the water bath, you're not just putting it straight into the water. You're putting it in a um, vacuum bag. Correct. You, bag, you have and then to you put that in the water. Just Some people are listening, and they've got to try to picture it in their head, so I'm trying to create an image. Everything needs to go into a bag, so this way you keep all the flavors. You don't want to – if you just put a, a piece of food in a bath of water, the water is just going to draw out all the flavors. So uh, you could use a vacuum packer or really a Ziploc is fine as well as long as you kind of push out all the air. And in that bag, you would add your flavors, you know, whether it's an infused garlic oil or spices or herbs or anything like that, and then you seal it, and that's – you know, it's all in that little pouch, just kind of, you know, the juice is just cooking it itself and – uh, you know, that's the way you do it with the sous vide. So you yeah, cook you're everything. compressing the flavors into the product, and then the temperature is like within a tenth of a degree of where it should you're be. intending it to. So you could set it and then... Set it and forget it? Yeah, you can overcook something. It'll start to break it down, but eventually, you know, but it's it's very fun and accurate. And there, it has its applications. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm searing and roasting a, a beautiful piece of meat is, you know... One way to do it, of course. This is just I, I like I like Judah's like mindset of taking traditional things and you know giving people a fresh take on what it could be or elevate it in a way that is not always yeah. been seen. Yeah, I would say I like keeping some of the flavors and that flavor profile, but just trying to play around a little bit with the textures and maybe introduce a different kind of cut of meat that you weren't normally used to. Um, I know beef cheeks are now. Very popular. But right. I remember when it was cheap because no one wanted it right. or oxtail or those kind of things. So, you know, that that's a good indicator that you know that people in the Jewish community and the kosher eating community are We're catching up, are catch, not just catching up. They're, they want more and they desire more. and They're constantly looking for something. And they, you know, when they hear when they listen to a radio show like this, um, they're not just like it's not just background. It's they're actually drawing inspiration from it and they, you know, end up. Using it in their, you know, day-to-day dinners. Um, so well to, said. <laughs> Thank you. <yeah. laughs> but I think also back to the sous vide thing. I think to me the the perfect example of how the sous vide really works is when I first poached eggs in a sous vide. And oh. I don't know a person. I haven't met a person that doesn't like poached eggs and doesn't like it on anything. I mean, I can't think of a dish that this doesn't go with that. I made a BLT this week yeah. uh, with beef fry from Abel's and Hyman, um, and I put on a poached egg on top. Right. It was so good. So, and I cooked the egg in the fat of the of the meat. Ah, even even better. <laughs> it was a sunny know? side up. It wasn't poached. It we, was we sunny side up in 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 beef fry. Yeah, put fat in it, and it's uh, it's good, it's good already. But you look at if you walk into let's say William Sonoma, there's probably a shelf full of different gadgets of how to make the most perfect poached egg, a silicone pouch, and different slotted spoons. So why don't you give us a technique? Things. Give us. Your- and I mean, I was I could give techniques, but I think to me the sous vide was the perfect. <laughs> All you need to do is you turn on this machine, and this circulates the water, and you put it to, and this is where you see the difference in the slight temperature. So if you turn it on and you put it to 140 degrees. You can actually you set the water temperature. You set the water temperature. You could set it to a point of a degree. So you set it to 140 degrees and you take an egg and you just put it in that bath. You don't break it. You don't do anything. And you put it in there for 60 minutes. And 60 after that, minutes? 60 minutes. It's not that. To poach an egg in 60 minutes? Well, you don't have to stand there. You could I, go no, no, and no, watch TV. It, I thought and it took three minutes. Uh, three minutes when you're doing it in your pot, but this is when you're doing it in your pot. The so you got to talk into the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> when you're doing it in your pot, the temperature is a lot different. And oh, okay, there you You're go. gonna end up, you know, with a different texture. But then all you need to do is you pull that egg out and you just crack it open, and there's a perfect poached egg. Oh, you take the there. whole egg. Yeah. So imagine you went to the supermarket and you bought a carton of eggs, and every egg you opened was just perfectly poached already. Oh, you don't have to nice. do anything. 
But if you but if you slay, if you just dial up the temperature on the thing and you do it to 141 degrees, you will see that the yolk now will be just a little bit firmer, so it would you know spill a little bit slower. 142 degrees and just a slight more, and you could really tell the difference. So you could really play with it and do it uh, the way you like it. So if you like it a little more runny or a little less, um, uh, that's the way to do it. Eric did the fish, the fluke in that, right? Was fluke um, yes. that night? Yes, and that. Yeah, we, we we did it sous vide. Um, that was the talk. Aromatics in, the in there in the bag, um, like some fresh thyme, like Avi said, uh, some olive oil, um, some sumac, some Middle Eastern berry, a little spice. Um, and yeah, for I think around 53 degrees Celsius, set it up for maybe six or seven minutes. This perfectly poached fish, you know, and then. Bring it out, ready to go. Fantastic. A little finishing salt for a little crunch, a little texture, you know. So people actually call up Kitchen Surfing and hire you to cook in the house. They do. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say they call. Really, you know, with today's generation where, you know, everything's, everyone wants anything on demand, you know, Uber being the example. Uh, so there's no real phone call taking place, but you can go <laughs> online and, uh, you browse the chef and you'll see a chef like Eric over there and you could actually read his background. You could see reviews about him and then you could just send him a direct message and say, Hey, Eric, I want to do a birthday party. And you know, could you, you could see some of his menus. You could pick one of them. Eric, I know likes to do his menus based on the seasonal ingredients. So you might see a menu from fall and it's summertime. So he'll tell you, listen, I'll get you some something good from the green market. Um, and there are plenty of other chefs too. There are also. Homestyle chefs, and if you sometimes I'm more just, of a homestyle chef, right? But not, you know, someone sometimes someone just wants, you know, they're coming back from a trip. Let's say they were away in Israel, and they're coming back on Thursday. They're tired. They just want a nice home cooked Friday night dinner, and they want their traditional food. There are chefs that could do that just the way you like. Are you you are you all over the United States or based mainly in New York? We're uh, kitchen serving is headquarters in New York, but we have uh, chefs uh, in New York, in Los Angeles, Chicago, because we have listeners all over the country. Yeah. So it's nice. And to Berlin know. too. Berlin. Uh, yeah. Um, cool. DC just opened. Didn't Washington it? DC was just uh, launched. But really, there is talented chefs everywhere in the world. So it's just a matter of. Uh, putting the platform in all these markets and uh, finding the kosher talent or in some cases finding chefs like Eric that know the kosher cuisine but just need a little bit more direction on, you know, where they could source the kosher ingredients and, you know, what they could do. Or, you know, I think for some chefs it's challenging when they come to someone's home and they can't come with their own equipment. So it's kind of a little bit of an unknown. Right. Uh, when there's not enough court containers to store Right, the mise en place, as we call it. But we did it yeah. good. I got. I yes, got well, you have your catering things, so right. there was a more in the basement. But if there's not enough stuff to to put my cook partially cooked food, the prep that work drives me insane. Right. Well, so I go out and buy like thirty more. Right. <laughs> every right. time I do an event now. No, no, it's good. It's you know, you know, the prep work, and and you know, we can talk a little bit about that. The prep work is huge. That goes into any Shabbat dinner or weeknight dinner. You know, even a simple dinner, you know, that you were talking about, that Avi was talking about, you just got to be organized. I know that, um, I don't know if people can see, there's a little yellow notepad there. <laughs> and that was left at my house by accident two months ago, and I put it aside, um, for Eric. But that's his prep notes, his sheets. I can't survive without being organized. You know, I'm doing, you know, a catering job next week, and, you know, already a week before, I'm prepping and planning, you know, and, and just, you know, when people are overwhelmed, if you take five minutes a day or two or three in advance or even a week in advance, it helps so much with cooking. Absolutely. I mean, if there's one thing I learned from cooking in Michelin Star Kitchen is this organization, discipline, and like being completely... Yeah, what a, can you share with us? Always have a plan. Always, yeah. yeah what? I have lists on lists on lists, <laughs> you know? And if you've got a big dinner... shopping list, and then I have a prep list, and then I have a list for, you know... The components of each dish when I'm, you know, finishing the execution of that meal. So that's like my number one key right. to success at is, this point. Is keeping is lists and being all beyond organized. Yeah. yeah. And all the containers. <laughs> I mean, there really were. I still have some containers that got, you know, with a little blue lid. It has to block. be very consolidated, and <laughs> but it helps. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, when you have so many elements part of every dish, you must have an uh, organized way of keeping them. Otherwise, when it comes time, you know, you got 20 people who are ready to eat, they're not going to sit around and wait until you find, you know, every little thing. So you got to be organized. I think also a trait that most talented chefs or good chefs have is that they're also able to adopt on the fly, you know, any situation. Right. They're in a place, you know. I mean, you see it in a lot of those, you know, reality shows or whatever, you know, they give them one frying pan and one charcoal and they're like, make me breakfast, and somehow they manage to pull something together. Uh, but that's one of the traits is that you're able to just, you know, think on your feet in action. Yeah, and I think and at kitchen surfing, you know, you go into all these different people's homes, you know, in Manhattan and Brooklyn and, you know, in five towns I've done a few events as well, but... You never know what you're going to get. Right, right, right. right. It could be a tidy little galley kitchen with no space to plate, no space for pots or pans. And, you know, that that's tricky. But, but being you, organized is, is the first step right. to being so, successful in any environment. Right. So you yeah. don't need to have a big kitchen. Eric will come and cook in your kitchen. We've just got to be yeah, organized. <laughs> and he adapts, right? Like I think we all 100%. need to. You think on your feet in the kitchen. I call it sometimes finding your inner chef and you know, as a home, you know, a lot of our listeners are home cooks and they, you know, they shouldn't get stumped over if they don't have something. Oh, my God, I forgot that. You just adapt and yeah. try to make something else work. I've been in a lot more high-stress high environments in, in those fine dining kitchens. And I, I always say when, now uh, doing the kitchen surfing, when, I'm, when I'm in an unfamiliar environment, there's no problems, only solutions. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That's I like how that. you got to think about I like it. That. Don't freak out. Now, Eric, you're, you told me um, when we were texting that you're tr- going to go traveling soon. Where are you going in the world? Well, like, Judah's always, you know, missing in action. I, I was cooking in Italy in May um, in Veneto in the north at a friend's restaurant. Shot over to Copenhagen for a couple days for that whole Nordic, um, phenomenal Nordic culinary scene just to check it out. And now i um, been doing kitchen surfing in between. And I'm headed to Southeast Asia on Tuesday. Oh, we got you in right beforehand. Yeah. Um, Lucky us. Just, you know, a lot of my food is travel inspired. And like Judah said earlier, is like, you know, bringing those things home, you know, how people are served, the hosp- different types of hospitality and, um, you know, the inspiration for, for the product, different things you've never seen, you know. And I think that could translate to the, the kosher realm as well. Because right. I can't wait to see what that, you're going to bring for us. There's products of the green market that I can get, you know, and bring it in, do co- some kosher meals, kitchen surfing. And um, it's exciting. It's new. It's it's unfamiliar. And it, it opens up the mind to, to, to more new things. It's a snowball effect. So right. I'm hoping to – I've been in Europe so many times. I'm, I'm dying to go to Asia. So – like what countries? China, Japan? No, I'm going to Thailand, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Oh, nice! You know, a lot of you're going to meet a lot of Australian tourists there. It's yes. a very big hotspot, Vietnam. Pretty close to home, yeah. Yeah, but the street food there, I'm sure I'll, I'm, I'm super psyched. Yeah, I'm going to get sure. some inspiration, bring it back. You just got to adapt it. some of their street food to be kosher. I'm sure you'll be seeing some like Vietnamese kosher menus popping up on uh, my kitchen surfing I profile in December. Wait, uh, you know we don't Seriously, have that. I gotta, Thai, yeah. Thai cooking's kind of make a bit of a burst on the kosher scene. Yeah. Um, but there aren't kosher Thai restaurants yet, as far as I know. Do you know Avi? Um, not. not uh, can right. we? There's a microphone there. Not in New York. There's one in L.A. actually. And there's actually one in Miami. Oh, Beverly Thai. I've been there in... in, One in in L.A., one in Miami. There's like 30... On this block up here on Grand Street. Not sure, but why not? There's like... Well, I know at least three chefs on Kitchen Surfing that could come and do authentic Thai in your home. Right, like we're not seeing that. No, and again, it's a question of just, you know, branching out. Educating. Educating and finding a market. It's... You know, when you were talking about finding the right ingredients and being prepared, um, I speak to people all the time in the restaurant who say, I'm in the middle of doing something and I didn't realize I need this ingredient. And you were talking about finding your inner chef, which is great. For a lot of people who don't do this as a regular thing, it becomes a very maddening experience. Being prepared makes a huge difference. And I've been in kitchens where I've cooked where it really is like cooking on a boat where you're in a tiny, <laughs> tiny space and trying to make that work. 
But the preparedness really makes a huge difference. Right. Once you do that and you get comfortable in that, branching out to different things, trying new things, and, you know, also not being afraid to fail in, in, in anything, you know, really going out there and trying something. You know, you love – I love when someone eats the food and, you know – has the expression that you guys had when you came in and you were trying something that we were trying new and stuff. But what drives you is when someone comes in and tastes something and says, you know what? I didn't love it. I'm like, really? What did you love about it? Tell me. And people are scared sometimes to let you know. But when they do, you can really try to improve upon what you're doing. And, and, you know, and like with a, with a home chef, with people who cook at home, that's really, you know, when you take those bold risks, that's where you get a big payoff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the answer is simple. I think Avi just needs to do a Thai burger and uh, oh, you know, yeah. everyone can just come and try it, you know? <laughs> Let's go up now and create something. Yeah. I, I menu, coconut, lemongrass, yeah. right? Yeah. Am I getting... Some basil and... Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes I get a lot of Australian cookbooks, um... And sometimes they have stuff in there that's because we have so many, um, we're near, closer to Asia. So they're, uh, recipes, you know, they're not, they're non-kosher cookbooks, but you can adapt the shrimp into fish and, you know, kosher fish. But sometimes like, I never see kefir, kefir lime. lime. Never see that in Gomeglat, but you can. You can get it in other markets. Right. Uh, but what's that great, uh, kosher Australian cookbook collection of Monday morning cooking Monday club. morning that's they a, would, I just had them on my radio show oh fan, that's a fantastic fantastic uh, book yeah, yeah but they have a lot more like out there cuisine than say a typical New York kosher cookbook a me, you know American kosher their cookbook. second book I think is a little more adventurous more adventurous yes yeah. yeah. so we actually had a giveaway of their book about last week we announced the winner yeah. um, but that that's been a fabulous cookbook um but I think we can't get so many ingredients here kosher that they can get in Australia because they're nearer to the area, right. I guess. And they've sent rabbis out to Thailand and certify things that we're not. I think they'll here. probably disagree. They think they have the bottom of the pile over there. They can't yeah. get this. They can't get uh, that. I found curry paste there, yeah. green curry paste. So I've never seen in America. Um, it, you, they used to have it over here, but they stopped importing it. It's available. It's one brand that's also available in Israel, red and green curry paste. Yeah, I, I uh, have it. I bought it back with me. But for some reason, they they stopped. Uh, it was Import. an online source that was uh, you could get it from. But they, I think they just stopped importing it. So I have. Do I have the last bottle in America? I may have the last. Package. No, I think I have a few in my pantry. But okay. Well, well you were like, let's sell them. We'll make a fortune. However, the truth is, all you have to do is look online and and look at you know maybe three or four recipes, and you can make your own. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you don't have to be online. afraid of. Uh, you see a, a, a recipe that has red curry paste. You're like, where am I going to get that? Uh, just, you know, look at it, look at three, four recipes. You'll get the idea behind it. And maybe you can't use, you know, fish sauce, but, you know, a little bit of miso maybe okay. gives that flavor. I see fish sauce and oyster sauce in a lot of Asian recipes. What can we use to adapt? Um, I mean, typically the vegan, uh, solution for the fish sauce is some kind of combination of miso and soy sauce. Uh, um, but, I you know, I think stuff. you just... You want to bring out those umami flavors. Yeah, it's like dried shiitake mushrooms, if you use, you know, if you uh, reconstitute them and use the broth uh, as part of your base for any of those things would bring that umami flavor. That would that would substitute... That what? would substitute, that would bring that saltiness that you would get from that fish. What's umami um, flavor? Gotcha. Umami like, is that... Because like I don't even know what that is. The sixth flavor that, you know, a uh, Japanese guy or... Uh, found it and you know it was it comes it, you know you could also get kosher kombu which is a type of seaweed uh that really is a in, part of every umami uh flavor and yeah, uh, really it's it's just it's that it's that flavor that you can't yeah that you can't put your finger on but it exists in craving. tomatoes it exists in in soy and i want to eat it and mushrooms and and yeah. some parmesan cheese those the these have umami flavors. Richard, That's why they're Richard. so addictive. Umami. Can you spell that so people can? U M A M I. Yeah. That's the way people Google can do it. a little. Yeah. Right. Check out Wikipedia and you'll find out a lot about you, it. Yeah. If you share it with me, I'll be happy to give you the shout out for the research that you've done. I I would appreciate it. Yeah. But you know, um, or if you've had an experience with it and a fabulous one, don't tell, you can tell me the bad ones too. But you know, I'd like to hear about it and share about it. Um, that's yeah. really. 
In Israel, you could get a kosher version of fish sauce. Uh, I found it over there. But can you bring some again, back? On your yeah, you got to bring yeah, them back. Yeah, I'll bring them back next week. When I'm on Vietnam, my uh, trip Vietnam, there. Again. They use it all over the place, and I would love to use it here. Yeah, for sure. Okay, excellent. We have your mission, guys. It's been an incredible show. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. We have had an action-packed men's gabbing fest, which is nice. Um, uh, Avi Roth from Gothenburger, make your reservations, and thank you for the What's for Dinner segment. Eric Boyard, thank you so much for joining us, kitchensurfing.com. They can find out more information from you. And, of course, Yudish Lass from Hasidim Hista and the director of the Kosher Section at kitchensurfing.com. There you go. Yep, just go to the website. You'll see the Kosher tab over there and great selection of menus and chefs and make a party. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Shabbat dinner by Kitchen Surfing. Um, have a good week. Shabbat shalom. I'll stay tuned. We have music sponsored by our guests, by our friends, uh, from Keda Music, from sponsored by music. I'm having a hard time with this. We have music sponsored by our friends at Keda. And there you go. I did it. Yay. Shabbat shalom to everyone. And now uh, we'll see you next week from Kosher Fest.